0: Hi, welcome to Head Start, the podcast for race directors and the business of putting on races. When it comes to marketing your race, email marketing is the granddaddy of all marketing channels. Forget TikTok and Instagram and Facebook ads. If you don't have a sound email marketing strategy, you could be passing on a huge opportunity to grow your race and also falling short of delivering the highest quality experience you can for your participants. today, we're going to be taking a very close look at all aspects of email marketing strategy, from the types of emails you should be sending and when and how often you should send them, to exactly what you should be saying to your participants and prospective participants through your email copy. And we'll be doing all that with the help of my guest, marketing pro and very passionate email marketing advocate, Holly Light, or Holly from the emails, as has come to be known, before we go into all that, though, a quick reminder of how today's podcast was made possible through the support of our amazing sponsors. So many thanks to Run Sign Up, Race Director's favorite all-in-one technology solution for endurance and fundraising events, now piring more than 26,000 in-person, virtual and hybrid events. And many thanks to RaceCheck, whose free RaceCheck review box widget can help you collect and showcase your participant feedback on your own website helping you more easily convert website visitors into paying participants. We'll be hearing a little bit more from these two great companies a little later in the podcast. But now, let's dive into email marketing with Holly Light. Holly, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Panos. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, hi to everyone listening.
0: Well, thank you very much for coming on. For people listening in, you are based in the UK, is that right?
1: Yes, uh, in Guildford. So if you're into cycling, it's the place to be, sort of right in the heart of the Surrey Hills. So I guess everyone wants to know how far it is from London, isn't it? So uh, about half an hour train, hour drive, quite close.
0: And you are a uh, marketing professional by trade. You currently run, uh, you do your own thing through your own uh, marketing agency and you um, You've been working in the mass participation space for a while now, wearing different hats along the way. Do you want to share with our listeners a little bit about your background and what you currently do in the industry?
1: Yeah, sure. So yes, as you said, um, I've sort of been in this industry, uh, well, best part of a decade now, um, event directing and and marketing. um, And I've now set up my own digital marketing agency, Activate, which specializes in helping get. Uh, helping race organisers get more participants to their start lines. So really, uh, my kind of career in events, if you like, started uh, at Leeds University. I was studying marketing and sports science. Um, But as a competitive athlete, I was on a number of uh, sort of like first teams. So it was actually on these sports team committees that I started organising events. And this was anything and everything from your kind of student nights out right the way through to sponsored inter-university competitions. So kind of degree aside, it was it was at this point really where I realised that if I was managing to get, you know, 100 plus students to attend my events, surely I could make a pretty good career out of this. Uh, so that's exactly what I set out to do. Um, I got a dream job working for Human Race and Castle Triathlon Series. And this was... Um, Quite a sort of career-defining opportunity for me because I was working for not one but two of the UK's leading event management companies at the same time. So it was a real crash course, not only in marketing but in event management as well. Because literally every weekend I was, you know, at events UK and overseas, driving Luton vans, uh, running merch stalls, filling up, you know, filling in for the warm-up guy, social media. You name it, I did it. I think, as you know, with events, it's, you know, everybody just kind of gets stuck in. So this really kind of set me up to walk straight into a head of marketing role at a company called AAT Events, which is now owned by the race organiser. But at the time that I joined, um, it was you know, a fairly local race organiser with a half marathon and a few trail runs. So during my time there, I really helped to transform that business into like a multi-award winning Event management company um, launching events like Guildford 10K, selling out the Surrey Half Marathon. We were securing, you know, some quite major sponsors, and it was kind of at this time, really, that then I um, tried my own um, sort of like event directing, which which was great. I started working with a few more event directors in the industry. So I know Matt Trevitt from Weybridge 10K um, sort of came on and spoke to you in a podcast. Um, I did a beer run with Lee at full steam virgin sports so I've actually ended up sending so many emails about all of these different events going on in the area that locally I became known as Holly from the emails which uh, is something that kind of stuck and really I suppose it's all, all of this um, you know gave me the launch pad I needed to start up my own business where I could offer organizers the opportunity to work with someone who's kind of got this inherent understanding of events and running a business coupled with the kind of marketing know-how that I think we all all need in this industry right now. So um yeah, very lucky to uh, to be where I am today. Obviously had a lot of support um you know along the way. And now here I am on your podcast talking about email marketing which is a uh, a bit of a highlight so thanks again for inviting me on.
0: Well, it's a pleasure and um I should say for our US listeners um of whom we have a few Some of those names will not uh, mean a whole lot, you know, like Human Race and all of the other guys, you know, like the race organizer and all of those folks. But they're pretty big names in the UK, uh, amazing organizers, all of them. Toby Jenkins, who was the uh, owner of AAT, you know, another great guy. So lots of like um, really big names that people would uh, recognize in the UK. And as you were saying, through all of this, you came to be known as Holly from the emails, which is quite funny, from all the emails you were sending out. And we were having a chat a while back about uh, things that we might be helpful to um, highlight, to raise directors from everything you've done. And you feel quite passionately about uh, email marketing, which is why we're here today. So let's start with your kind of like pitch to race directors who haven't done too much with email marketing on why email marketing is so important. Everyone keeps saying that inside our industry and other industries as well, you know, like email marketing is the thing, you shouldn't neglect it, you should be doing more. But what's your kind of arguments around that? Why should people be doing more with email marketing?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I'd say, you know, for, for any business, really, um, it's quite a worthy investment in terms of your time and, and money, because, Email marketing has proven to be resistant, reliable, and effective. So obviously now I'm I'm kind of in this uh sort of like digital marketing world, which when you reflect back on how much that landscape has changed in the last decade, you know, platforms like Bebo and Myspace are now just you know disappeared. Email is that one thing that has really survived it all. It's not uncommon for people to take a break from social media. But we're kind of yet to see that happening um, on email. And this is because it's a fundamental part of modern life. And this really is kind of reflected in its in its user count um, with, I think in 2020, it was reported that 4 billion people use email. That's over half the world's population. And more so, I think it's 99% of those email users are checking their emails every single day. So not only do we have this kind of massive uh, market here, but Email is kind of transcending all the demographics. So boomers right the way through to Gen Z are all using email, and as good as social media is, uh, don't get me wrong, I, I use it myself, um, but it just can't compete with this. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is what email does for you is gives you the opportunity to speak to up to 100 percent of the market via a channel that they're using on a daily basis, and better yet you're serving the content to an engaged audience. Because again, it's very rare that we kind of end up mindlessly scrolling through our emails.
0: Yeah, so these are these are really great points. I mean, essentially you're saying if you are online, you have to have an email. It's almost like your passport kind of thing. Like everyone has one online, right? And then, as you say, it transcends all kinds of demographics. And it is a very precious thing to people, I think, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a privacy thing as well. You know, like it's something that people tend to, to guard and give out very, very cautiously. So that actually brings us to one objection. We had another uh, episode on the podcast on SMS marketing, which some people find even more intrusive, quote unquote, than email marketing. And one of the points we brought up there is that generally, this definitely holds true of SMS marketing, but also of email marketing. People, and race directors in particular, have this kind of reluctance to send out emails. They feel like they're spamming people, right? I mean, they're thinking, oh, I can't send out emails. I can't market through email. It's going to be feel too spammy, too salesy. What's your response to lots of people bringing up that kind of objection or like, you know, coming from that kind of place and, and being held back in doing more with their email?
1: So, I mean, I'd say that if you're listening and that, statement really resonates with you this, you know, I I feel like I'm spanning people. Um, I promise that you're not alone. It's, it's, you know, as you said, Panos, it's something that kind of comes up a lot. And um, so I would say that there's kind of two reasons that consistently contribute towards this kind of feeling. Um, One of them being GDPR, that kind of big scary abbreviation, which uh, for all its good intentions, um, has definitely created a lot of fear Um, for those that are kind of owning and managing their email list. So perhaps we can sort of come on to GDPR in a bit more detail later. Um, But perhaps more so, if you don't have a solid understanding of your audience or your email strategy, how can you know if you're spamming someone? Like if you don't actually know how many times you're emailing each subscriber. So I'd say that that's like your cold, hard truth right there. So I suppose... You know, in the same way that a personal trainer might approach something, the work that I do with my Activate clients tends to start around the mindset and follows with the plan. Because if someone has specifically asked you to send them emails or like the SMS marketing, for example, are you actually spamming them if you're simply delivering on their request? So if you're not doing this out of fear that you're not doing it right, you are depriving yourself of what potentially could be a really highly converting tool. So I'd say, you know, to anybody listening, I would I would start with that kind of mindset decision of right, okay, I'm going to overcome this. I want to get more entries to my events and I'm going to use every tool I've got in my arsenal um, you know, to, to make that happen. So in terms of moving forward from there, I'd say just you know get to know your database, you know, who's in there, what do they want to hear about. You can start to review your opt-ins, like the questions that you're asking people. Um, and I'd say the segmentation is key as well, because if you segment your audience well you can be confident that when you're emailing them, you're sending them relevant content that they've asked for. And your, your email system will um, reward you for this. You'll see your open rate source. So you will get that indication that you're doing something right. Um, and I suppose the only other, other point really to sort of raise on this is just that if you are spamming people, again, your email system will tell you this. You're going to see mass unsubscribed. Your deliverability is going to plummet. But, you know, if this happens, don't worry. As I said that the key here is that you've got that information, so you're able to react from it, so you can bounce back.
0: These are all excellent points. Yeah, I mean, you're saying basically, which is just common sense, that if someone has opted in, you are clear about what they can expect from the emails they're going to be getting, even, even letting them know upfront frequency and everything and content and being clear about that. I mean, in a way... You are sort of not serving your subscribers right if you're not sending them the content that they essentially they opted in for, which makes a lot of sense. And then they have the unsubscribe button. But I guess where this gets maybe a little bit into like a kind of gray zone is that I mean, we'll go into newsletters and all kinds of other aspects of of email marketing and all the different things you can be doing, but you don't actually let people know when they sign up that, you know, oh, I'm also going to be trying to be selling my race to you kind of thing, right? So I'm just building an argument here. And then when it comes to sending people, let's say a price increase email or their second or third, you know, join my race email in a couple of months, that's when maybe people feel like they're stepping over the line of what the subscribers may have signed themselves up for. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think my answer to that really would just, you know, it's it's very easy to kind of sit here and, and listen to the podcast um, and kind of take all this information on. But what I will say is you will always feel more empowered with, uh, you know, sort of like making your own research as well. So I would kind of encourage, you know, anybody listening to just spend, you know, 15 minutes or so, just do some basic research on GDPR, because I think what you'll find that comes up is you kind of have two types of permissions. Uh, one of them is express permission. So this is super important for your new customers. Um, you know, sort of like signing up for the newsletter on your website where you have to make it clear that by entering your email address, you know, you're subscribing to an email list. But the other one that's, that's quite key, I think, in this example, is this implied permission which means that anybody that you've got an existing business relationship with so current customers active members of your community you have implied permission to send them campaigns so you can be quite clever in the way that you talk about the various aspects of your business but still be compliant within implied permission
0: right and this is all GDPR we should mention for folks in the US and outside of the of the of UK and Europe basically who are not familiar with this It's a kind of data protection, kind of like marketing type framework. How would you describe it for people who are not familiar with it?
1: Sure. I mean, GDPR at the end of the day, like it is a good thing. The idea that people can have ownership over how their data is used and how they're contacted, like this is all, um, you know, sort of like good things. The other thing to sort of add to that really is that it is in your interest to comply with this, you know, and it, it comes back to your sort of segmentation um, and, you know, the opt-ins from your audience, you need to be operating from a place of confidence. But I think you just, if you can get your mindset right and remember that somebody that subscribes to your email list, they want to hear from you. They should be your warmest list. This is absolutely behaviour that we want to be encouraging and rewarding because email gives you the opportunity to directly message somebody into their inbox so the fact that they've asked for that is a really powerful thing so it's you know you you need to sort of remember that I think at the forefront of your mind um, rather than operating from the sort of back foot uh, where it's like oh but I'm worried that I'm not compliant or I'm oh I'm worried that they may not have specifically asked for this you know you may have so many amazing things that are happening in your business so you know, say on like a brand level, like if you want to be kind of like a more sustainable organizer, you might decide that you want to launch a free plug, um, you know, pick up rubbish jog event, you know, that's free. But if you're, uh, you know, a subscriber that's in a cycling segment, you might not get to hear about that. Um, If you're kind of too strict with, oh, I can't message my cycling segment about this like this is why I think it's quite important you know Panos as you said about you know factoring in what content goes in your newsletters um, versus your segments um you know they're a warm list in your email list they want to hear from you they've they've given you that permission and that instruction to say yes I want to hear from you in my inbox um so absolutely act on it and just keep you know, be mindful of the statistics that your email marketing platform is telling you, because it will give you a very, very good indication if you're doing something wrong. And you can bounce back from it if you are.
0: Hopefully, we'll have some time to go into the bouncing back, which is really hard, I guess, reviving and peddling back and trying to reverse the tide if things go wrong with your email statistics declining. But before we go into all that, Let's uh, touch a little bit on all the different aspects of email marketing that a race director might do. And we touched a little bit, we mentioned at least newsletters, but there's also, I guess, you know, direct sales emails and other stuff. So what exactly would fall under the umbrella of email marketing? What are we looking at here?
1: Event directors have two main segments or groups of people uh, to contact on a regular basis. First of all, you've got your participants. So these are the people that have registered for your upcoming event. You then have your subscribers, um, which is anybody that is yet to enter your upcoming event. So this is just at a super high level um, because already you might be thinking, well, in my subscribers, I've got my new subscribers and I've got past participants. Both are yet to enter my upcoming race, um, but both require very different messaging. So. I suppose when we think of the term email marketing, it's quite natural in the first instance to think promotional emails. I need to sell my race. Um, But actually, I'd say that it's really important that you reward your existing participants with the same kind of beautifully curated and highly engaging email experience as well. And I'd say this is particularly key for race organizers, because we are in the experience business. Um, So it's a competitive market. We should be looking to go above and beyond just a confirmation email and some some pre-race info, Um, because no matter whether you're organizing a virtual event or an in-person event, every kind of race at the moment will start with some kind of digital journey on the whole. Um, Usually, you know, your race nation entry platform or your your run sign up, um, particularly if you're in the US. And depending on when you open entry, that experience for somebody could be starting months in advance. So you have a really valuable opportunity there to create a lasting impression um, in a highly competitive market. And I'd say that financially, this is in your interest as well, because... The cost of kind of retaining these customers and you know upselling other events, merchandise, et cetera, is a lot lower than the cost of kind of acquiring new followers or email subscribers
0: so basically, you're saying the very high level starting point of how to think of what you're trying to achieve with your email marketing is in terms of the audiences you're trying to serve. You have your converted audience essentially, right? the people who've signed up they're going to do a race and the unconverted which is people who've never signed up for your ACE and people who may be past participants so you you'll put those in the same bucket right
1: yeah that's in a, that's a you know a high level who you need to be uh, thinking about and i would just say that when people typically think of email marketing i think it's quite natural to just think oh okay like i've got to get more entries in Um, And it can be quite easy to kind of overlook the amount of nurturing that you need to do for the people that are already registered. So we can go into that in a little bit more detail, you know, further in the podcast.
0: Right. And the other point that I think is is really important here, as you say, lots of people going to email marketing, they're thinking it's a tool to sell. It's a tool to get someone who is not a participant to become a participant. But what you're saying there, which is very important, and it comes up all the time in different aspects of podcasts that we do in terms of the race experience, is that email marketing, and that's actually a point that my guests on the SMS marketing uh, podcast brought up. It's also a, a sort of like customer service channel as well. It's basically for the people who are customers already it is a great tool to nurture them, to retain them, to basically deepen their customer loyalty to me and make their experience better overall.
1: Yes. And I think the key here is that we are operating in a highly competitive market. So, you know, as I, as I said, depending on when you open your entry, you know, you might en- open entry for an ultramarathon, you know, nine months to y- to a year in advance if all you're contacting those participants with is a standard confirmation email um, from your entry platform, and then, you know, at two weeks to go, sending them some race information, you've missed an entire nine month, 12 month window to be upselling future events. Um, you know, you might have the opportunity to bring on some sponsors, and um, particularly if you can prove that, Uh, You can generate some conversions for them by upselling kits. So, you know, your your classic example being, you know, if you've got a partner run shop, um, you know, your half marathon participants may really value 20% off of your, uh, you know, fit stuff run trainers six months before their event. So it's really your opportunity to showcase to your audience that you really understand what they're thinking and feeling and proving that you can do a good job on that. Um, and actually you know i know that uh with race check they they did a study recently and they did find that um the race organizers who were rated highly in terms of their kind of communications it always led to better results on race check so i think that really you know that's a really powerful statistic
0: and in terms of the actual instruments and campaigns i'm using in my email marketing for instance the newsletter right we keep we keep talking about the newsletter let's let's dive into that a little bit more deeply. So the newsletter, is it something that I send to both types of audiences, both the converted and the unconverted? Do I send different types of newsletters to each of them? What's the purpose of the newsletter in this kind of paradigm?
1: Sure. So, I mean, I'd say that the clues in the name of of kind of newsletter in that, you know, this is, if you've got something newsworthy to say, say it. Um, So it's a really good opportunity to just ensure that everybody in your database has been contacted, you know, they've had that sort of touch point on a regular basis. And I'd say that if you are able to, um, you know, communicate a kind of wide range of things that might be going on in your business from a kind of brand level, that means that you can kind of keep it super relevant to, to everyone. And then from there, you might be able to filter them down into sort of like more specific segments. So um, an example of this really would be, um, you know, if you have an event launching, um, you know, you've got a you've got a date, you've got a venue. Um, if you've listened to, you know, the PR episode with Meg Treat, um, it, she sort of paved the way for me a little bit because she has explained um, what content um, is inherently newsworthy. So kind of anything that is relevant for your PR, you can kind of repurpose in your newsletter. So you can almost use it as like your own news outlet, uh, if you will. Um, So, you know, even if you've got cyclists on your on your database that are only interested in cycling, if they're subscribed to your newsletter, um, you know, there's no problem in saying, hey, we've got this really cool event launching. Um, You know, it's going to be on this date and more information will come soon you know, maybe uh, you can give them the opportunity to sort of self refer, you know, click here if you want to, uh, you know, find out as soon as entry launches. Um, So I suppose that the thing that kind of unites all of the content that will go within your newsletter is probably this kind of community aspect, because that at the very core is what events are about, you know, like, if somebody loves running, like, the only difference between sort of like going for a run on your own or going for a run on a race is that sense of community. So again, that, that's really valuable content to kind of put in your newsletter. Perhaps there's a regular participant or a volunteer that, you know, achieved a brilliant goal, or maybe, you know, you've just been awarded some kind of like eco-prudential or, or some kind of award. This is all great stuff to put in your newsletter because it gives everybody the opportunity to buy into your organization at that branding level, you know, further down the line, further in different segments. It's about kind of trying to generate those conversions for a specific event. Newsletter, we're just trying to get them to either buy into the brand if they're a new subscriber or be reminded why they have bought into the brand if they're an existing subscriber.
0: That's some really nice examples of what goes into it. Stories are really important. Big news. I'm launching a new race. I got this Sustainability Award. Or a story about our event even working towards a Sustainability Award, I guess, is, is newsworthy in there, right? Explaining what you're trying to do. Um, and this, we're saying, is going out to everyone on your list, whether they are existing participants or not. So this is something you would send out to everyone, right?
1: Yes, because it gives everybody a flavor of what's going on in your business. And actually, one of the other sort of key things that's always great to include um, is that kind of post-race FOMO, you know, this sort of fear of missing out. So, you know, if you've just had an event, you know, absolutely open your newsletter with all of the highlights of that amazing event and then give people that call to action to how not to avoid missing out in the future or like what the next event is that's coming up, because in that you know you might think oh but you know they're not really interested in what happened um, in 10k they're a cyclist but actually if you're sort of communicating those key points of you know somebody had a fantastic day you know the organization was brilliant they raised loads of money for charity these are sort of like quite universal concepts that might apply to various other events so you're sort of like really hitting home on those on those things that people want
0: and what about you said earlier that Newsletter is what the name um, what the name uh, says. Basically, that you know you're sending out news. We set some examples there. Some of those examples are very infrequent or sporadic, right? They don't have a schedule. You know, I may be launching a race here and there, or I may have some special news to share. But newsletters also generally tend to be thought of by people as a regular thing. So, what happens if I have a regular newsletter, or I aspire to have a regular newsletter and I don't or I feel like I don't have the news to fill in meaningful email space week after week or fortnight after fortnight or month after month
1: so what I would say with your newsletter is the audience size that you're sending to does kind of give you some kind of clue for the scope of the content that you can use so you know this is a this is a broad wide-reaching Um, email to you know a number of subscribers and therefore your content will tend to be you know high level quite broad not necessarily into like loads of detail about one thing because that makes it more relevant to a larger pool of people so if you're struggling for content I would say you know take it back to what makes newsworthy content like what is actually going on in the world right now, is that, you know, is Easter coming up and do people want to be burning off all this chocolate they've eaten? You know, are there, you know, National Fitness Days or other kind of applicable things that are happening in the world um, that you can use um, to talk about in your business? Um, I'd say that the other thing that you can do as well is ultimately, uh, you know, as, as I sort of mentioned before, and this is something that will probably come up a lot in this podcast, but being given that kind of instructional permission to directly message somebody into their inbox that they use every day is such a powerful tool. It's such a powerful thing. So we really want to reward that behavior. So, you know, is there kind of an overarching headline partner or some other kind of sponsorship deals that you can do to reward your newsletter subscribers? You know, do you always get, you know, like 20% off at a run shop or at a sort of like a training platform Partner, so, have a think about other ways that you might be able to reward your participants um, it doesn't always have to be product or discount. It could simply be that you launch your entry to your events to everybody on your newsletter before it goes out to the general public. So just always think about ways that you can reward your your subscribers,
0: yeah, make them feel special as well, sort of like yes, yeah, like they're a, a sort of a member of an exclusive club kind of thing
1: yes, and I'd say that you know. It, it can be quite easy to think, oh, I've not got enough content to share, or oh, I, I, you know, I can't think of what to write. But I suppose the key for all of this is organisation. If you plan your content in advance, you'll be fine. Um, I've been there before, you know, in the early days of sort of like working with organisers where they're like, oh, I need to send an email, and they literally type it all in one hit and then send it. Um, that's that's not necessarily the best approach because then you will be um, struggling to think of what content to write. So. You know, make the time to kind of plan out your content strategy and repurpose content. If a social media post worked really well for you, expand it out into an email or a blog post. Always repurpose.
0: Yeah. And and I would advise people, which is what I used to do when sending out uh, newsletters in the past and trying to be regular and also struggling with with social media content, is that there's lots of tricks, some of which you alluded to around, you know, there's so many like special dates out there, you know, like Mother's Day, this day, the other day, you know, like National Pancake Day or whatever, that often savvy marketers for races use to create content around because you know if you think about it so many of these things can be made relevant to a running event or like to a to a fitness event more generally right?
1: Yeah and it's you know it's about having the time to you know or making the time should I say because you know event organizers we're busy right it's, it's always that we've never got enough time so you have to make the time But it really is worth it because there are some brands out there, um, I think it might have been Black, but on Black Friday, or it might have been like Mountain Warehouse, one of these, where on Black Friday, they close all of their stores and they have like a really unique approach to this day where they're saying we don't want people to be shopping online we want people to go outside and enjoy the world which is exactly at their core you know camping equipment etc etc what they want people to do Um, and that's obviously something that's stuck in my mind because it's a really unique approach to something so don't get sucked into this thing of oh it's pancake day I better put out a recipe take the time to think okay how does this relate to my brand if it doesn't don't talk about it, think about something else if it does think about how you can put a unique spin on it because it you know it can, it can definitely uh, sort of pay dividends for you
0: yeah yeah absolutely. you touched on a little bit you mentioned at some point where we were discussing newsletters about for instance, you know when you do your formal email after the end of the race you throw all the nice race picks in there and you're like get registered for for the next race or some something along those lines so which takes us a little bit into the territory of How okay is it for me to try to sell through the newsletter? Everything we've been talking about, you know, like, it's more, as you say, more like brand building and nurturing type stuff. How often, if at all, and in what way can I try to also sell through my newsletter? You know, for instance, tell people to sign up for a race.
1: Sure. So I'd say that, um, you know, with with all of these kind of decisions that you're making, you always need to kind of bring it back to exactly who you're speaking to. So somebody that's in your newsletter, you know, they might take a little bit more nurturing. You know, they might not be ready to buy that particular event right now, which is why, you know, when we're talking about sort of like brand messaging and just trying to encourage people to sign up for their next race, you know, whatever it may be, sort of like within your organisation, you know, it might be that they're sort of more ready to do that. Whereas I think if you want to be selling a specific race, um, there's probably a bit of, bit more of like an educational piece um, in there where somebody on your newsletter might not actually understand, like, what are the USPs? Like, why should they um, enter this particular race? So I think when you're kind of planning your campaign, uh, you know, have a look at, you know, where you're at in your sort of like marketing cycle for each event, because it might not necessarily be that you want to uh, take a linear approach, if you like, to just saying, oh, well, the next event is the next event is, um, because depending on your calendar, that might not give each event sort of like a fair run. So, you know, it might be that you've got a, you know, a trail run happening in two weeks, but it might be six months to go for half marathon. And that might actually be your peak. You know, entry window. Like for example. So, um, what I would suggest is, you know, you could use your newsletter as an opportunity. You know, if you if you really need to get people to to sign up to a specific race, you know, obviously put it in there. Um, you know, we we sort of mentioned before that anything that constitutes as newsworthy content uh, sort of like deserves to go in there. So if if entry really is closing and you really want to sort of hammer that message home, get it in there. Um, If it's more that you just want to um, sort of cast your net wide for your half marathon that's going to be launching soon, then maybe your kind of call to action could be a bit more of a self-referral journey for like, right, okay, if you you want to be the first to know when entry launches or if you want to get this special code, refer yourself here, join this email list, you know, reply to this email saying, yes, I'm in. Um, And you can use some sort of clever technology to then ensure that they're segmented correctly.
0: I'm so happy we're talking about email marketing today because I've been meaning to tell you all a little bit about the new email marketing suite that RunSignUp launched this year. And well, what better place to do that than in a podcast about email marketing? Now, RunSignUp's previous email marketing platform was awesome enough, but this next generation platform is just on another level. You can now be getting all the power and capabilities of commercial email marketing platforms like MailChimp and Constant Contact, with unlimited email sends and unlimited contacts, absolutely free. Well, as we had a MailChimp account at Race Directors HQ, it was definitely costing us something like a few hundred dollars per year to run. And still we had to keep an eye on our contact numbers and email volume to make sure we didn't run over any limits. Well, now with RunSignup's new email marketing system, you don't have to worry about any of that. You could be sending as many emails as you want to as many people as you want, and each of them is going to look amazing thanks to RunSignup's new super user-friendly email builder. And you know what the best bit is? Because all your participant data is also on RunSignup, your emails can be personalized with all your participant information and segmented into different events and go out with all the right registration page links straight out of the box no more keeping track of data back and forth between your registration platform and your email marketing software. So do yourself a favor, cut back on that email marketing bill, bring all your data under one roof, and go check out RunSignup's new amazing next generation email marketing platform at runsignup.com. That's runsignup.com. Okay, now let's get back to the episode in terms of subject lines for newsletters because i've seen lots of people go with a subject along the lines of our august news or you know our september news or whatever which doesn't tell you a whole lot about what's in the email and you know like it doesn't it doesn't make at least in in my eyes for a very attractive subject line what can people how should people rather uh in terms of not so much specific examples, but how should people think of how to go from what's in the content of the newsletter to writing a good representative, you know, not make it too sensational or fishy or whatever, right. But like a representative, nice catchy subject line that would lead people to open that newsletter.
1: So I'd suggest this is probably where we're, you know, starting to dive into the weird and wonderful world of copywriting. So, um, you know, it, That is definitely a skill that you know you want to kind of employ um, for somebody in your in your team or you know research yourself a little bit more. But the kind of principles behind it really is the fact that you want to be presenting your information in a way that serves the reader. So it's not about my August news, it's about okay, well, what's within this email, like what is it doing to kind of serve my audience? So I think once you kind of understand the psychology behind it a little bit more it makes it easier to understand like why you're doing what you're doing so I think you know like a common example is you know people always use questions right people are like oh yeah I need to use a question in my social media post or my or my subject line why uh, and and the reason uh, for that is because it begs an answer so don't ask a question for the sake of ans, you know ask a question think about like what is it that you actually want your participants to be kind of thinking and feeling. So when they're kind of writing all of this copy, we're trying to take the user through a bit of a decision making journey. So a lot of these uh, kind of mailing systems will actually kind of give you a lot of hints for what makes a really good subject line, it might be, you know, using nine words or a certain number of characters. Um, So you know you need a kind of a hook if you like, a juicy uh, you know something that's kind of attention grabbing it could be a controversial statement, it could be a question, but whatever you do, try and frame it in a way that is not about me, me me, and my August news and my event company my race it's you know your 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 experience you know that's on offer for you
0: actually, I think this is sort of like uh, rule number one of marketing more generally, right, so framing things from the point of view of what this thing is gonna be doing for you, for the recipient, not not about me touting my, you know, I did this or I did that.
1: I think that will help you to feel like you're doing things in a less salesy way and that you're not like talking about yourself all the time, but it's also you're doing your readers a bit of a service because you are sort of like taking away all of the guesswork and the figuring out of, okay, right, I've I've received this email, you know my August news. Like, what? Why do I want to read that? Don't even. You don't even want to be asking them that. You want to be getting that action as you want them to open the email. So, um, you know, a subject line, for example, it might be like twenty percent off of dot dot dot, and it's like you read that and you're like, oh, it's so annoying. Like off of what? Um, and then obviously you've kind of got your preview text where you can begin to expand on that. But that is going to get people to open the clicks, and then it might be, you know, twenty percent off of your race, or it might be twenty percent off of your trainers. But I suppose what I'd say here as well is if you're listening to this and thinking, oh, that's so annoying. I've received those emails before. My question to you would be, um, you know, is the offer that they've they've made there actually relevant? Because, you know, again, if you're if you're, uh, you know, recovering from a half marathon and you get a 20 percent off of through from that half marathon you really enjoyed and their physio partner is now doing you know, 20% off of sports massages, you're going to be so pleased that you opened that email and it's because it's relevant. So when you employ these tactics, you need to really consider the whole journey, kind of start to end point and make sure that everything lines up nicely.
0: Excellent. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. So beyond the newsletter i mean i think one of the good things i guess that gdpr uh, which is again something we discussed earlier did for people in the eu and the uk who use email marketing is it, it's put people into thinking of the different types of emails because under gdpr people have to opt in actively into different types of emails and you see on some on some email preferences lists that that then senders of emails have, that they have newsletter as one thing, so you can opt into the newsletter, and then they have kind of like marketing emails as a separate thing. So is there a separate thing, the sales marketing email, does it exist as a kind of like separate type of email that you would send out specifically marketing emails?
1: So I suppose my kind of initial response to that question is why would anybody ever say yes to do you want to subscribe to my marketing emails? So as we're sort of like following on from this kind of copywriting uh, kind of aspect, you know, really think about how you present that option to your readers. Is it, you know, we can contact you frequently um, with, you know, really cool races with really good, you know, discounts, you know, it's going to need a bit of further thought than that. This is just kind of off the cuff, but you know, it's it trying to kind of present that information in a way to the reader that's like absolutely yes, yeah, yes, it's a no-brainer. I definitely want to. I want to hear from you. What emails
0: are we talking about here when we say sales marketing emails? Remind me again. So we ha- we have the newsletter section. Then we're talking sales emails. What emails are those?
1: So I would say that this is kind of emails that delve on from newsletters so this is kind of specific sequences that we would send about like let's just say like the Guildford 10k right so you've kind of got your newsletter and then you might have um like a segment or subscribers that you know that you can contact about the Guildford 10k so it's about having like a specific campaign you know like maybe seven emails depending on your marketing window that kind of takes readers on a journey of uh you know in the early days kind of educating people
0: the other type of um, email beyond the newsletter that, I guess, falls under email marketing are more specific emails or email sequences you'd use to actually funnel people and nurture them from not having signed up to having signed up. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that?
1: So for these emails, this is where you know, you've received that instruction um, from people or that kind of expressed interest that they are, you know, wanting to hear about this specific event or this specific type of event. So what you want to do is plan like a dedicated sequence to aid the decision making process for that event. So the number of emails really is going to be quite unique to your company um, in terms of what's worked best for you before, um, but also in terms of like the marketing window that you have available. So For this reason, I quite like to break my email campaign down into phases. So I'd say your kind of warm up phase, if you like, is probably kind of the longest part of your campaign. And this is where you might send emails uh, typically, you know, maybe a little bit longer in length uh, because it's a bit of an educational piece. It's about telling people this event is happening. What are the USPs? Why should people enter? You know, what are the sponsors and why this is important? Um, And as I said, this is probably the longest part of your campaign. Um, And this is quite important because, um, you know, we we picked up on before in terms of copywriting how you don't want to make your emails uh, sound super salesy. Um, And having this kind of structure in place is going to help with that because you're going to find that you're not always using that call to action of enter now, enter now, enter now. Um, Within this warm-up phase, you know, you might have your kind of uh, die-hard fans that secure their entry, you know, a year in advance because they know that they want to take part. You know, we absolutely want to reward that behaviour, which is why those sequences for those registered participants are so important. Um, but for everybody else, you know, they tend to wait until, say, I think it's 12 weeks out from the event, or at least it was pre-COVID. So moving on kind of like from the warm up uh, phase, I, I quite like to call them fartleks. Uh, to be honest, I sort of like to relate everything to training, because if you don't necessarily understand that much about marketing, I feel like we can all kind of level uh, in terms of training. Um, and this might be where you kind of pepper in some kind of price rises or other kind of incentives to just try and drive a few more entries throughout your campaign. So where you may have had kind of like longer, kind of branded um educational piece uh sort of emails in your in your warm-up phase, you can then sort of shock your audience with these uh short emails, you know, perhaps uh you know a couple of days or weeks spaced apart that's really about driving home in action. Entry is about to go up, uh, you know, there's going to be a price rise, or perhaps, you know, places are selling faster than than they have done before and you know it's going to move up to the next tier soon so you can kind of use the length and your frequency of your emails to kind of help drive this action um and then i suppose you kind of come into your kind of sprint finish uh, and cool down phases uh you know again it might be sort of 12 weeks out from your events but obviously it will depend on your type of race you know type of participants all of that kind of thing And again, this is where we're going to see the emails um, being a little bit shorter um, than your kind of earlier ones, because by this point in the campaign at 12 weeks to go, people don't really need to know about all of the different things that are happening in the race. They've received all of these emails up until now. This is about trying to remind people what the USPs are, why they need to enter and why they need to do it now. Um, the doors are closing not opening so that is obviously going to be reflected um, kind of in these emails and messaging once your kind of entry has closed and this is the key really because I feel that you know as as an event director I do sort of understand this you almost just sort of close down into sort of like full operational mode Um, particularly if you're you know a smaller organization doing all of this stuff yourself but it's actually really important to make sure that your emails don't just sort of like shut down then. Um, so obviously all of the people that have registered are going to sort of be in your registered participant sequence and they're going to be receiving all of your uh, sort of like pre-race communications and sort of building hype for the event. But for all those people that haven't entered, you don't necessarily just want to drop off a cliff because emails are not about... Uh, you know, just trying to make a sale, you know, this is, this is about community and this is what about events, you know, this is what events are for at the core. So, you know, if if somebody hasn't chosen to enter, we've got to figure out why that is. So, you know, be sending them an email saying, oh, sorry that you missed out on this place. You know, this is what, we're gonna, this is going to be what you're missing out on, but Hey, we've got these other events, you know, that you might be interested in, or, you know, again, like if, if you do some sort of like free community you know initiatives like local runs at your run shop. Like maybe that's kind of a good place to take them. You know, drive to engage in somewhere else if if, if it's the spending money that they're not they're not into right now. Um, you know, particularly with everything that's going on in the world. So you have to be a bit creative. So hopefully that kind of helps to understand these sequences that you need. Um, and if you plan these out for all of your events. And you can kind of plug in the sort of like key dates. So for example, you know, you might have one of your fartlet campaigns over Christmas. If you know that that Christmas New Year period is really good for you, or, you know, you know that for some reason, September is a really key moment. Once you kind of have this like overarching plan, you can start to see where all your emails are going out and when, and that's essentially your strategy. And that is the best way to kind of level up from this really linear approach of, Oh okay, I've got my race in July. It's gonna be that race, that race, that race, that race, all the way through to July. And then oh I've got another one in September. I've only got two months to to, you know, promote this event. So I think having that strategy is going to automatically make you feel more empowered to send those emails with confidence in a way that you know that you're not spamming people. So
0: let me let me try to summarize what I understood of that of that uh, sales sequence, which because I think it's quite important for people. So I think what you're saying there, and again, you described it in terms of fartleks and and like training analogies. So first stage, sort of like warming up, you send out emails that are like, oh, you know, we have uh, we're an amazing flat course, and wouldn't it be great for you to, you know, like go ha- do your PR in our flat course, or you know, we have this amazing or that other amazing, and wouldn't it be great for you to join? And you still have a call to action there, I guess, for people to join even on the in the in the kind of like warm up phase and then as you go through the sequence, you go through those kind of like softy softy sales emails where it's more like about us and like you know what the value is in the event you go into more urgent type emails you know when when the time demands it or whether the when there's like price increases and stuff like that, and you're like Enter today, you know, like save 20% on the next price increase, blah, blah, blah. So then you start building up the pace. And then, as you say, very importantly, even for people who don't, by the end of all of that convert, you still have a warm down phase where basically you tell them, oh, you know, unfortunately you missed out on this, but then you funnel them into other areas of your, of your event. Like maybe you're, you have like a community group or you tell them, you know, maybe we have this next race. And you also mentioned that, which I think is a great idea, that it's good to have those sequences almost like planned on a whiteboard so you can, you can see everything uh, like on a big calendar kind of thing. The question for me is, those sequences, are they anchored around fixed dates that relate to your event, say race day, price increase, window, et cetera, or do they start You start going into that sequence every time a new subscriber joins your list. So they sort of start going from the time someone signs up and then that spacing of emails depends on when someone signed up and people are seeing different emails depending on when they signed up. Or are they all seeing the same thing depending on how much time you have left to your next price increase or to your next race day?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'd say this is why I quite like to plan in phases because it kind of gives you flexibility on the dates. So, when you're kind of looking at that that whiteboard, you can see what segments are receiving what emails. Your six months out might be right on top of something else, um, and it's going to the same segment. So, that's why I think you know having something in phases means that you don't necessarily have to kind of pin things um, to a specific dates. If
0: For instance, I join the mailing list or, you know, I sign up that trigger that starts sending me those sales emails a couple of weeks from the next price increase or even, you know, like very close to race day. Am I getting those emails or have I missed the window of receiving those emails essentially because I joined that too late and the sequence doesn't make sense to be sent to me?
1: I suppose it kind of depends on where your subscribers are coming from. So if you have like a brand new subscriber to your to your mailing list, the chances are is that, you know, they might have their own kind of dedicated sequence that they go through, you know, before they get sucked into your newsletter. Um, But if somebody has specifically, you know, opted in to hear about the Guildford 10K or, you you know, about cycling, um, you know, this is why we want to encourage people or at least reward people for being on the mailing list earlier, because if they subscribe earlier, you know, within those kind of, uh, sort of like brand awareness kind of warm up sequence, that might be where they receive more discounts or more perks. Um, and I think that you can be quite clever within those, um, sort of like warm up phase emails. Um, just to sort of go back to your point on, um, you know, the, the call to actions. If you know that you're going to have. Uh, you know like a sponsored email that needs to go out from your headline partner you know maybe the call to action uh, in your previous email could be like hey we're going to be sending you an email in a week's time that's like your your top tips for your half marathon training plan or we're going to be sending you this free training plan so the call to action could simply be keep a lookout for this email it's going to be sent to you then and then it means that again, it's one less call to action that's not super salesy. And number two, you're going to increase your open rates for your sponsors. So that's a win-win because then you can attract kind of bigger sponsors in.
0: Given that some of those sequences run on specific dates, what happens when people sort of parachute in the middle of that sequence and maybe that sequence doesn't make a lot of sense to them anymore because, you know, they've they've skipped the first three warm-up emails and now they're in the in the more sort of like salesy phase, and they get like a very hard price increase. Sign up for a race email without having had the warm up phase.
1: Sure. So I'd say uh, you know my my answer to that really is to consider your kind of onboarding journey for your new subscribers. So obviously in this case we're talking about people that um, are yet to enter your event. So when anybody kind of subscribes to your e- your email list. You know, maybe you could consider like a two to three step uh campaign that no matter how far along your other campaigns are, you know, they receive that kind of welcome email. Thank you so much for subscribing. Like here's what you can expect to receive. You know, we're gonna be talking about guild for 10K. Um, and you know, maybe that sort of like follows up, you know, in a couple of days, so that then when your email goes out as you said, that might be about your price increase, they're not sort of coming in, coming in hot, if you like, they've they've sort of had that buffer before. When we're talking about sort of rewarding your your email subscribers, you know, it's it's beneficial to us to encourage people to enter earlier, but also be mindful that people want to enter later. So, you know, people will be encouraged to enter earlier if they think that they're going to be kind of getting a good deal and being sort of like communicated nicely sort of like through through your emails um whereas if they do enter later they are going to be sort of missing out on your kind of half marathon training plans and and those sort of like nice uh nice content but that might also be reflective of of the audience you know if they're a regular runner you know maybe they don't want a training plan so you can start to kind of accommodate this uh like within those later campaigns
0: so let's talk a little bit about participant Sequences. So the kinds of emails you would send to registered participants only, what kinds of emails would um, fall under that?
1: Sure. So this is your opportunity to communicate to your registered participants that you understand their thoughts, feelings, what they're going through and you deliver on it. So um, just just as an example that I'm working on at the moment, I've got a cycling event coming up on the 22nd of May. So I'm going to be sending an email um, on the morning of the 1st of May to everybody that's registered, because I know that as soon as that calendar month comes around, they are going to look at their phone first thing in the morning, and be like, oh, it's uh, 1st of May, I've got that event coming up, I better get organized. So before they've even had a chance to think about what it is they need to do, my email is going to land in their inbox, you know, hey, hey, Joe, um, you know, have you checked that you're you've got no." punches in your tire like have you got you know your bike serviced and all of those uh kind of checks and things that you would need to know about a month out um and again maybe this is your place to say you're going to receive another two emails from us you know before the race that's going to tell you this that and the other so that then by the time you know you're sort of like at two weeks to go you've already kind of been drip feeding information because I think it can be quite easy Um, or tempting perhaps to kind of send one massive uh, kind of pre-race email about two to two weeks or a week out from the event and you know people don't have time like it's a lot of information to digest and actually if you're kind of a nervous athlete um, you know that that can be quite overwhelming so these are kind of all the reasons why again we want to try and plan out a bit of a sequence so um again sort of starting you can kind of use those phases again if you like so with your warm-up phase there might not be that much you know you might be feeling there's not that much to kind of communicate uh nine months out but you know this all depends on the type of event you organize you know so like an ultra marathon, um you know they need to be you know comfortable in the trainers they're in they need to be confident that they're uh, they've got all the right equipment and they're getting used to, to wearing it, um, and that they're sort of like upping their training schedule. Um, obviously sort of like a 5k nine months out. Um, you know, maybe it's their first time. So maybe they do need a deal on trainers. So I think when you're, when you're kind of approaching this and you feel like you're stuck for content, you've really got to be thinking about what is it that my participants actually need to hear from me right now. Um, and of course, you know, this is, again, like your opportunity to be building hype and excitement for your event because word of mouth marketing is so powerful. Um, so we absolutely want to be driving it. And the way that we can do that is through this kind of frequent communication. So, you know, telling stories um, kind of like from last year same kind of thing you know rewarding your your registered participants like maybe you have a deal with your sponsor where it only goes to your registered participants which you can then use uh in your other marketing to say hey everybody that's registered gets this so this is another great reason why you want to enter now um and then obviously you know that that then sort of leads on nicely to, again, when you're sort of like a month to go, um, this is where you can start to kind of drip feed your kind of pre-race information all the way through. Um, And again, not forgetting uh, kind of what I like to call the cool down phase, which is where you want to be, you know, wishing your entrance good luck, that sort of like final few checks. Um, It's quite nice, I think, um, you know, to send an email either kind of on the day or a day after just say congratulations how are you feeling please review the race on race check and then you've kind of got time to follow up with the official results and photos because what I will say is that people you know people even though you can kind of get these things digitally like the photos and the results you know on on the links people will always look out for those emails that they will yield the highest kind of open rates and click-through rates so use that to your advantage that people will scroll to find the results and photos. They won't scroll to find your kind of thank yous to volunteers or your kind of sponsored messaging. So you can kind of structure your email in in quite a clever way, um, which again is obviously kind of appealing if you're trying to attract uh, bigger sponsors and kind of nurture those relationships. And then again, we really don't want to let these subscribers drop off a cliff. You know, endorphins are high. They've just taken part in an excellent event they love it, you know, how's everybody feeling, you know, the week after? Is there a Facebook group that they still need to be a part of? Um, you know, when is entry happening again? Um, is there a different event that you want to upsell them to? All of that kind of thing. I suppose um one, what well, maybe it doesn't matter, but one thing I didn't really cover in the, you know, the emails to the, I suppose it could be in the registered participants, but one of the things that uh, Human Race did quite well, actually, with their kind of Kingston um, event was they had this kind of 20 mile event, which they use, I mean, they had it in March, so they kind of used it as a bit of a warm up event to London Marathon, which is obviously as different organisers, but I kind of took this concept um, and applied it at AAT events where, um, depending on how far into the campaign you are. I was able to kind of upsell other events as a practice run for other events that we had going on. So for example, like the Guildford 10K, um, we use it as, as a good practice run for the Surrey Half Marathon. So the way we communicated it was obviously, you know, being familiar with the, the race organisers, like how we organise things. You know, you're going to get a good, you know, understanding of, you know, how good our pre-race communications are. So you're going to feel relaxed. Um, it's a good opportunity to practice your pace. And if you can communicate this well, um sort of like within your participant sequences, you know, when we're sort of like talking about GDPR in this fear of, oh, but I can't speak to them about that, you're communicating this other event in a way that's actually really something that they do want to hear or that they they want to know about. So you don't have to hammer it home, but if you can um if you can use that to your advantage to you know be upselling upselling things. Um, then, then absolutely go for it. And, um, you know, merchandise is, is probably another, uh, classic example, particularly with, uh, so I used to do a lot of work, um, at the color run, uh, run or die. And, you know, we were trying to encourage people to sort of like pre-purchase their packets of, of dye and their t-shirts. And they were so excited about this kind of event coming up and they wanted to get prepared, um, that by sort of communicating this at really strategic points, Um, you know, generated quite a lot of revenue for for the company. So, yeah, think about your your thoughts and feelings of your participants and and act on them.
0: So let me summarize a few really good points there. So what am I sending people who are already registered participants? I'm, I'm starting to send them, for instance, Special sponsor offers and other kind of like exclusive bits that I would have only for my registered participants, so they continue to feel they continue to feel great about the race and the brand and as being part of a kind of like exclusive club, about a month or whatever makes sense for your race out before the race, I start sending them all the kinds of information they will need to make their their race day and you know their their preparation and final stage for preparing for my race more, um, helpful. So things like, you know, how do you travel to the race, you know, getting your equipment all in order, all in order, you know, like, let's say you have medical certificates, that kind of thing. So I get all of that out of the way, but also now you mentioned two really interesting things. I can also send them an email about signing up for a smaller training event in the run up to my event which i think is really great and i would add to your point that if you're not putting on an event like that you know maybe putting on a 5k or a 10k ahead of your half marathon you can join up with a race organizer in your area and cross promote and you can promote their 5k or 10k if the dates suit right and and you can you can get some kickback out of that or that other organizer can promote your half marathon then to someone else and also as you said Merchandising and then doing all of those sales, maybe stuff that people can then go pick up on race day or they can, you know, go buy branded T-shirts or other stuff or, you know, like even souvenir type stuff. So lots of things there to be thinking about sending out to registered participants, which is uh, also quite helpful.
1: Yeah. And I'd say that this, um, you know, if you do this well, this massively reduces your kind of admin costs, staff costs, time in your customer service department as well, because if everybody is taking these steps to feel more kind of empowered and sort of prepared for the event ahead, they know the information up front. um, You know, there's sort of like very little need to uh, be sort of like phoning in, being like, Oh, where's my race pack? Oh, when am I getting it? Uh, So it's always about being sort of proactive rather than reactive um, with these kinds of things as well.
0: Yeah. Good tip. I mean, all of, all of these things, when you communicate this stuff, it also, takes out some of the burden of doing customer support. Although, as we all know, and it's a recurring joke in the group, even if you put the date and all the information on the email, people are still going to ask. There's still going to be someone who's like, you know, they have everything right in front of them and they'll still come back and ask, you know, like, oh, when is it happening? That kind of thing.
1: Oh, of course. And, um, but, you know, again, this is why it's, it's so important just to to try and sort of plan these email campaigns because I'm sure that most organisers will agree with me here that if you've got something really important to say, like, yes, you might put it on social media, but I bet nine times out of ten you're you're going to send people an email about it as well because you know that it's going to get through and that people aren't going to miss it.
0: Did you know that in a recent survey, 73% of responders said that reading reviews influences which races they enter? Well, RaceCheck is the largest aggregator of race reviews in the world and has collected over 40,000 race reviews for over 6,000 events globally. So how can you collect more reviews for your event and make the most of them to increase your race registrations? Well, you can start by listening to our Power of Race Reviews podcast from September 20th last year. There's plenty of tips there on growing your race reviews. And then visit organizers.racecheck.com. That's organizers with an S. Dot racecheck.com to download your free race check review box so you can start showing all your race reviews on your website for an instant boost to your race's social proof and conversions. It really is a no-brainer, so go to organizers with an s.racecheck.com and download your free racecheck review box today. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. So let's move on and talk a little bit about growing mailing lists, which is super important. Everything we've said so far sort of assumes that you start with a decent email list of people, either past participants or people who've signed up over time through your website and elsewhere, which I guess sort of hasn't so far looked at the question of, okay, how do I get people to sign up? To receive my emails and build that, you know, thousand, two thousand, five thousand people email list that I need to make all of this worthwhile. So, how do I do that? How? Give us some tips for growing mailing lists for races that work.
1: So, I mean, in the in the kind of marketing world, we might call this a freebie funnel. Um, so, this is the idea that you will put out some kind of um, kind of freebie uh, that either aims to entertain or solve an issue for your audience Um, and again you know this is really key that the the offer that you're putting out has got to showcase that you understand your audience it's got to appear to them as something that is totally irresistible that they just absolutely need to have it so it does have to be relevant and you know this is all good things because it should make you uh, feel a bit more empowered to be kind of choosy with the sponsors that you might choose or the partners that you might work with to to deliver on this or you know you might want to do it in-house to to kind of support sort of like future promotions so you can be very um creative with the offer that you put out and you know i refer to it as a freebie funnel it doesn't necessarily have to be free um, but, you know, within the sort of current climate with, um, you know, how things are at the moment, um, we are sort of like seeing across the board in, in other industries and all sorts of aspects of life that that spending power is down. So, you know, at this time, it, it may well be worth considering a freebie. As I said, like you can get quite creative with, with what you offer. I mean, I've done things from kind of experiential activations um, right the way through. But I suppose for the kind of busy event organiser... Um, you know, having some kind of digital freebie would probably appeal because you can completely automate the entire thing. So just to kind of use a a fairly, uh, you know, obvious or or generic example, you might want to have something that's a half marathon training plan, or a nutrition plan or something that you can put together in a PDF. Um, Obviously, think carefully about how you uh, communicate what this is and the name of it, because, you know, just a bog standard half marathon training plan might not that appealing but if it's a bespoke training plan uh, created you know in collaboration with an influencer or with your you know sponsor suddenly that might feel more valuable to your audience so if you if you understand what appears valuable to them um, you're going to do well of this then within your kind of email system depending on which one you use you can actually kind of create a very basic landing page which has the sole purpose of driving that conversion to to click for that freebie so once you've got this pdf created and you've you've kind of got your landing page that takes them on a on a short copywriting journey down to that button to download you can then use something like facebook and instagram ads to kind of broadcast this out um as a kind of brand awareness campaign um or similar so that you can get people to sort of attract into this to this freebie so the idea is is then obviously once they download this half marathon training plan, they might get sucked into, say, like a three or five step email sequence that's dedicated to kind of warming them up before you, you know, they join your, your newsletter, um, because they may be brand new to your organisation. So they, they might want to sort of find out a little bit more about the types of half marathons that you put on before they suddenly decide, OK, like I've got this training plan from them, but. All of this may sound like quite a lot of work initially, but people do spend time on this um, because they know that once somebody is in their email list, they have time to convert them. Whereas obviously like Facebook ads, if you're just kind of going for like a, a sort of like hard sell of an event, you know, you're only kind of uh, managing to convert the people that are specifically ready to buy that right now. So that's kind of the value of your email list and why we're specifically trying to get people in there
0: it makes total sense the whole like freebie funnel thing just for people who may not be super familiar with this the idea is to give someone an incentive to join your mailing list and you do that through something of value as you say you know training plans are very common thing that races use another example i've heard particularly works quite well with trail races you may offer like uh, you know a pdf again of 10 amazing trails around your city, or something, right? That people may not know about, and, you know, make it a little bit more exciting by saying, oh, you know, like there's including three, you know, trails that no one knows about, kind of thing. So a trail runner might want to own that information and they would. Then gladly um, sign up to your email. And as you say, you know, like these things, they take a little bit of effort. I mean, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. You need to put some effort into it. That's why, that's why someone would sign up to receive your emails. They're giving up your, their email to you, which is very valuable to them. And you're giving, you have to give up something of value as well. Is there any kind of like good hack for people to come up with these freebies or training plans or sequences more quickly or like, do they go to someone? Is there someone that I can get these training plans from, you know, rather than me going out and reinventing and or redoing all this process from scratch?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you can you can certainly look to work with with partners um, to deliver on this. And, and it's potentially in your interest to do that because you could partner with. You know, this, this could open the doors for sort of like future relationships um, with partners or sponsors um, or even influencers, and you know, in some ways, you might be you know able to kind of share the results together. Um, so, in terms of kind of like the hack, as it were, for for coming up with these things, I'd always always try and focus on what you have available to you within your business first. Um, and if you're not you know finding anything there, um, then obviously you can kind of reach out further. But once you've Once you've kind of got this structure in place of of what the landing page is, how you're going to advertise it on Facebook, you know, what the number of emails is following that, um, you can kind of rinse and repeat that as many times as you like. And I suppose sort of like the overall importance of this, you know, sort of like coming back to, oh, you know, this is, you know, this is unviable for me. Like it's not, it's going to take up too much time or, you know, I'm going to have to research, you know, somebody to help build this out for me you've got to remember that this is this is kind of the equivalent of a free trial so this is like the opportunity for somebody to try before they buy so when you um follow up with this kind of email sequence that uh people receive once they've kind of taken that action of downloading the plan this is your opportunity again to show off you know how good your pre-race communications are So somebody that's just received that half marathon training plan they're like oh you know it's written by my my local physio or you know my favorite influencer in collaboration with this event you know they must be really good and then they are receiving sort of like really engaging like high quality emails they're like wow okay like I'm getting this and I've got this for free so how good is it going to be like when I actually decide to enter this half marathon yeah I feel secure that I'm I'm not going to be left in the dark and I'm going to know what's I'm going to know what's happening when.
0: That's great. So let's look at um, also email design itself, going into the technical specifics in terms of both the content that goes in and how the email is structured. Do you have any uh, tips or hints from experience on how can people create email campaigns with, with high open rates? Is there a secret to that or are there things that help towards that?
1: So, I mean, in terms of high open rates, really, I think that the the segmentation is key. Um, In terms of kind of email design, again, like depending on what platform you use, um, you may well have access to templates that have worked well before, or you might get sort of like tips and hints for sort of how to create a good email. I suppose that um, what you need to consider is you want to make an impact in somebody's inbox. I think the best thing you can do is to um, understand a little bit more about copywriting. Um, so just ensuring that you're communicating everything in a way where the reader doesn't have to do much, you know, do too much work, they can instantly figure out if this email is, is kind of worthy of of opening. Um, and in terms of the design as well, you know, there's there's no need to send a really ugly or boring email these days. Um, so, you know, making sure that you have sort of like a nice branded logo or image at the top, um, spacing out your content nicely, you know, in terms of colors, um, obviously you can get super sort of into color psychology and things like that, which, you know, absolutely fascinate me, you know, using, using green buttons for the end to now, but on the whole, you just want to make sure that you're offering like a branded experience because that really helps with the recognition. So. You know, I know that we were sort of joking a little bit earlier about how I became known as, as Holly from the emails, but you know, that was because I had that sort of personalization from, from the from uh, you know, Holly at AAT events, Holly at Kelly Storage events, because it's a bit more personal, people know where it's coming from, um, you know, they're sort of happy to to open it. So, you know, rather than just having like support at or, you know, VIP at, um, which which is a little bit boring.
0: Yeah that that always helps the um uh, the personalizing the the from email having your your name on the from email rather than having like a generic support or events or your team or whatever what about um there's been some some discussions around how heavy you should lean on images in content or whether you know there's been like a kind of trend over the last few years it may have even like gone out of trend now of um, favoring text-only emails in some cases, or like emails with very, very uh, few images and very few like additional stuff. Do you have any opinion on, on that? And maybe some of these work better for different types of emails?
1: The annoying answer that nobody's going to want to hear really is that it is going to be unique to your business. Like the audience that you have is is completely unique to you and obviously isn't the same as anybody else's subscriber list. So... I think in the first instance, if you can sort of be confident that you're using all of the marketing tips and tricks to ensure that something is working um, and, you know, is appealing to the reader on a kind of um, copy and visual level, it's a bit of a case of trial and error, but you can also reach out to perhaps some sort of like trusted uh, kind of friends or family, um, or even better if they're sort of like from your own database to kind of give you that feedback of, you know, do they like your emails? Do do they find them engaging? Um, in terms of kind of text only emails, I'd say that the only kind of time that I've used text only has been if I've had like a really important message that I need to communicate and the open rates haven't been as high as I expected. So, um, you know, this can actually kind of work quite well, um, you know, direct from your entry platform. So if people are used to kind of seeing, um, you know, these kind of like branded, like beautiful emails um, and actually, you know, you've had like a really key message in there. You can almost kind of shock your your audience with a message from your entry platform to say, hey, OK, this is Holly. We've got this really important message that you need to uh bring a raincoat because you know or keep an eye on the weather because you know the the event is still going ahead um but you know there's, there's a high chance that it can be cancelled and, and we'll update you soon so i'd say that never never use that um as a kind of marketing purpose this is kind of like purely operational um so by having that kind of shock if you like in the in the difference of the kind of length of text the tone of voice the the lack of images that can kind of yield the high open rates, but um, it will very quickly get annoying if you're, if you're using that to say kind of entries closed, I suppose.
0: And you also mentioned earlier at some point in the discussion, race reviews and testimonials and social proof and all of that. How important is having that in your emails and which of the emails that we discussed would you actually add testimonials and, and social proof to?
1: I would say they're they're really important. Um they I mean I use them as as a kind of key part of my strategy for any uh kind of like emails that I design and build for my clients. Um you could even go as far to dedicate a single email to kind of do a deep dive into either a number of testimonials um or you know into a specific one. Um, I'd say that the most important place to put this is probably within your sequences to your subscribers. So people that are yet to enter your upcoming events, because what they do is give somebody like a really personal, relatable story of the transformation that is on offer. So it's something that they can really relate to. Um, I think that obviously anybody that's kind of registered and um, for your events, like, might like to hear about some of these stories, um, you know, in advance, but typically I would use them perhaps afterwards in a kind of roundup email, um, from the event or it might kind of feature in your newsletter. Um, so for example, like in, in Surrey Hearth, um, we have this lady called Bridget that always used to take part every single year, um, in, sandals and a skirt and she used to just like walk the whole thing and for some reason she blew up as some kind of sensation in, in the newspaper and on our social media so we had a bit of a uh, you know feature on her in an email kind of afterwards that's just kind of like a, a bit of an example of you know again how you can kind of repurpose content that, that's useful um, but in, in the key sort of sort of like social proof and uh, using sort of like race check reviews it, it's more about trying to aid that decision making process social proof. Um, I think you you may have discussed it actually on, a, on another episode, but it's just that kind of people seeing that other kind of influential people are, are taking part and they therefore might feel inspired to enter.
0: That's all super, uh, super helpful. I, I'd like us to also, given that we have you on the podcast and you're a professional at this and you've been doing this for ages, pick your brains a little bit on your best tips for making all of that happen, with as little effort and time spent as possible. Because as you've said before, race directors, they're busy people. They're juggling, you know, like a hundred bolts at a time. So how can we help people optimize their their email marketing effort and just, you know, like do more with less time and effort?
1: So in the first instance, um, I would say to get yourself going on a, on a really effective project management tool Uh, there's so many available and I think that um, you know although um, everyone kind of in the freelancing space has been using these for a while um, I think with the pandemic all kinds of race organizers and uh, you know sizes of businesses are used to using these uh, platforms now so you can assign yourself or team members tasks um, and include deadlines for them so this will be everything from sourcing your race check reviews that need to go in that email newsletter, right the way through to kind of proofreading before it goes out. Second of all, depending on your email platform that you use, um, we can sort of delve into uh, what we call automation. So these are automated emails that you can send out. And the idea behind these really is just to maximize the value or lifespan, if you like, of an email that you've already created, And it also gives you the opportunity to send more emails without spending any more time doing it.
0: Tell us a little bit more about about these automations for people who may not be um, particularly familiar with them.
1: I think the best one that you can start doing would be to, when you send an email out, you can duplicate that email and you can choose to resend it to anybody that hasn't opened the email um, a few days later. So obviously check that it doesn't clash with any other campaigns that are going out. But that is just a really easy way of maximizing the value that you can get out of that email that you spent that time creating. The other one that you can do, uh, which is good, would be as a bit of a cleanup exercise, actually, for any of your uh, subscribers that aren't really converting. So the idea being that why pay for subscribers that aren't opening your emails? So you can set up kind of an automated sort of multi-step campaign where you might select to send an email to anybody that hasn't opened the last five campaigns or 10 campaigns that you've sent. And you can kind of open that with, you know, hey, we, we've noticed that you've, you've not opened your emails. Give them the opportunity to kind of resubscribe to a segment that therefore may be a bit more relevant. And, you know, if you're still not getting um, open rates from that sort of like three to five email sequence that you're sending, if you're still not getting opens from that, say, three step email sequence that you're sending, you can look to unsubscribe to them because the chances are they don't use that email anymore, um, or, or they're simply not interested. And, uh, you know, when, when we're coming back to sort of this return on investment on, on your email, uh, every penny counts, right? So why pay to somebody that's not converting?
0: And for what I think should be one of the toughest challenges for people, which is actually laying out an emailing schedule. How do you do that personally? Like the full kind of like dates and schedule of when you're going to be emailing people and, and what you send out and also visualizing that. How do you do that?
1: I start with obviously kind of the key dates that are happening in my calendar, whether that's the event date, the six months out, uh, the national fitness days, Christmas, peak entry periods, etc. I obviously then build out the email campaigns that I'm sending per event, a bit like how we spoke about earlier, and that kind of will give you an overview of your your marketing plan, if you like, which you know you may want to put on a whiteboard or or however you work. Um, but kind of in the, in the digital space, uh, quite proud to be paper free. So I will use a project management tool to map this out. And you can get some really good ones out there where you can put all of this into a, into a table. And at the click of a button, it, it transforms into a calendar. So they're really intuitive platforms. Um, and, you know, easy for, for anybody to use really.
0: And what um, tool specifically do you use? I mean, we use Asana quite a lot. I'm not, no, not for, not for laying out um, emailing schedules, general project management, but is there a tool you use specifically for uh, developing emailing schedules that is particularly well suited or has worked for you?
1: So I use Asana as well. Um, I have a number of different boards that I use. So I may have a content calendar where I can map out all of the email campaigns. Um, as I said, at a click of a button, it will just transform into a calendar, so I can see, you know, color coded what what segments, what events, etc. And I may separately to that have a board that's more about the kind of actionable tasks, like delivery of making sure that that happens, so that uh, you know, if I need to go and get my content from my copywriter, uh, that I receive that on time to then pass on um, to my email marketeer.
0: And I guess. When we're talking about optimizing time spent on um, emailing and, and email campaigns, using templates is quite a big thing, right? I mean, you, you don't want to be just redesigning emails from scratch every time you want to send out an email.
1: So, yes, when you when you have established a template, that you are happy with um, in terms of kind of visualization perhaps your ambassadors or some trusted members of your community uh, in agreement that that they like to receive these emails and and perhaps you're achieving good results uh, absolutely use these as templates so i would say that the key really is as with anything i suppose is to be organized and to have your mailing system kind of labelled in a way that isn't cluttered, that you can easily find the different types of templates that you have, whether that's for your newsletter, whether you save them in phases. It's up to you how you want to save and use your your email system, but the key is is to be organized with it.
0: And a good template should I guess be quite constant with its use of logos and stuff and coloring. So basically you get you can get like a basic skeleton worked out and then from that develop different branches of you know different sub templates and stuff like that, right Just to keep reusing as much as you can from from what you've designed before.
1: Absolutely. So it does two things, really. I mean, first of all, behind all of these logos and banners and email unsubscribe links, it saves you so much time and that you don't have to keep going back into those images and linking them um, to your website. But second of all, it just gives you some kind of guidance in terms of what content it is that you need to create. So if you've established that for your newsletter template, uh you know the optimum number of words is hundred and fifty words. Let's just say for example, if you have that template that's designed to accommodate that copy, it's much easier to then either brief your copywriter or your team or perhaps you're writing it yourself, but you've then actually got that content you You've made your life so much easier because you know exactly what it is that you need to create, how long it's going to create- you know take you to create it, and it's just gonna mean that you are able to kind of maintain. This structure with your template. Awesome. So
0: that has all been uh, super helpful. I think we've covered so much ground um, on this packed with tips at every turn. Where can people uh, perhaps reach out to you or learn a little bit more about your work with um, Activate and how you help races through some of these issues?
1: Sure. So I suppose the, uh, obvious choice would be to offer up my email address, wouldn't it? So, uh, it's holly, holly at activatedigitalmarketing.com. Holly spelled H-O-L-L-I-E. So perhaps we'll just, we'll leave it in the links below, uh, in case you're unsure. Um, yeah, please do feel free to reach out to me. I'd, l- I'd love to hear from you. Or if you, you know, don't have any sort of specific questions, um, feel free to follow me on Instagram, Facebook uh, at Marketing. Uh, on LinkedIn. I'm Holly Light.
0: And you're also quite uh, active in our uh, Facebook group, in our Race Directors Hub group, right?
1: Yes. uh, I'll be in the Race Directors Hub group commenting on all things email marketing and uh, social media. So yeah, you can absolutely uh, find me on there. So thank you. Okay,
0: great. Holly, it's been great. I want to thank you again for your time. And it's been um, quite a lot of it that we used up today and your wisdom.
1: Thank you so much, Panoff, for inviting me on. Uh, It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. And thank you very much
0: to everyone listening in and we'll see you all on our next podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode on email marketing with my guest, Activate Digital Marketing's Holly Light. You can find more resources on anything and everything related to race directing on our website, racedirectorshq.com. You can also share your questions about race marketing or anything else in our Facebook group, Race Directors Hub. Many thanks again to our awesome podcast sponsors Run Sign Up and Race Check for sponsoring today's episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite player and check out our podcast back catalog for more great content like this. Until our next episode, take care and keep putting on amazing races.